Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Read with Michelle Martin. Our featured read today is a book that takes you deep into the heart of what makes tech giants dominate or allows them to. It took 130 interviews and two years of research. The pages of the book transport us deep inside tech giants like Amazon, Facebook, Google, Microsoft for an examination of culture and leadership practices that have kept them at the forefront of the tech race. So my featured read for you today is titled Almost Day One. It's written by one of the 10 most cited tech reporters in the world. Alex Kantrowitz. Welcome, Alex. Good morning. Thank you, Michelle. It's great to be with you. Terrific book. Incredible insight. Can you share with us what are some of the common patterns of corporate culture that seem to account for the success of the tech giants that you notice across the uh, different companies that you studied? That's right. So what these companies do is they invent over and over again. And then when they've gotten to a place where they feel satisfied, they reinvent themselves again. That's why I call the book Always Day One. It really is as if they're operating in their first day versus taking an asset and trying to milk it. Um, And you talk about corporate culture. So the two main things that they do in their cultures to make them be able to invent this much is the first thing they do is they use technology to change the way they work. So there are two different types of ways of working. Uh, One is you work on developing ideas, and two is you uh, support those ideas. Most companies today... They they spend their time supporting ideas. What the tech giants have done is they've used technology to minimize that support time to make room for people to come up with ideas. And then once they have that time, they've built channels for their their employees to take ideas and bring them to decision makers in as quick a time as possible, which is very different from your traditional company where you have to go through long bureaucratic process just to get one idea to a decision maker. Really great. So you talk about execution work, and, and that's been taken care of by the tech, so to speak. That's mm-hmm. automated. That frees people up exactly. to ideate. And speaking of ideation, mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting that you, you describe how Jeff Bezos banned PowerPoint and instead insisted that Amazonians create from memos. This is fascinating. Can you explain a little more there? That's right. So for a couple of decades, PowerPoints have been outlawed inside Amazon. Instead of using PowerPoints, what the employees inside at Seattle headquarters and satellite offices do is they write their ideas down in a six-page memo, uh, and that has everything that could possibly happen in the project. Some uh, ex-Amazon employee told me it was like they're writing science fiction, a story of what's going to happen in the future before it actually happens. Uh, And so this this memo process has a few advantages. Mm. The first thing it does, you talk about ideation, right? Mm -hmm. So the amazing thing it does is when you're about to work on a project, you could jot like a few ideas down on the PowerPoint slide, and PowerPoint slides are geared for sellers. So you stand up and it's all polished and the room applauds. And then you walk out and you say, okay, so what are we doing? And instead of that, this makes you make sure that your, your thinking is clear. So each sentence connects with the next one. And by the time you've written that memo, you actually have a clear idea of what you want to do. And the second important thing about this is, you know, typically if I have an idea and I give it to my boss and my boss tells it to their boss and their boss tells it to their boss, by the time it reaches a decision maker, it's nothing like the original idea I had. It's, it's game of telephone and your idea gets better or worse based off of whether the manager likes you and whether their manager mm-hmm. likes them. And when you write it all down, the actual f- fully baked idea will get to the decision maker pretty quickly and they'll be able to read it in one shot and say, this is a project we want to do. This is a project we don't want to do. And you don't have to go through that telephone. And it's what's helped Amazon invent so effectively over the years. 
fascinating insight really into how people within Amazon create or make the ideas a reality. I mean, we always hear about uh, beginning with the end in mind, but this really breaks it down in an interesting way and includes story as well. Some of the working ideas right. that you raise in your book are fascinating as well, like Amazon's grocery store Go. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, so Amazon Go is a grocery store unlike I've ever seen before until I encountered it. Hmm. Um, it is a checkout free grocery store. And what that means is you scan in with the QR code, take whatever you want off the shelves. You don't have to scan any of the items. You just lift it off the shelf. And a combination of sensors and cameras inside the store will end up figuring out exactly what you've gotten. You walk out of the store and then you get a receipt pushed to your phone. So it's really, I think that it's the future of retail, especially now, right now. You know, we're all a little bit concerned about all the contact that we have. And I think that it's going to end up being the way that we shop in the future. And there's actually a pretty interesting story in terms of the way that it was developed. Maybe we have time. We can get into it a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, but it was something that... How it that started came, oh, sorry, from... A, was, it, was it about how it started as an idea for a vending box machine? Yeah. So the, the, the I think the amazing thing about it, we talked a little bit at the top about the corporate cultures of the tech giants that have enabled these companies to succeed. Hmm. And one of the things that Amazon done over the past few years is it's automated all the white collar, all the office work and its headquarters when it comes to uh, retail stuff. So it used to be that there was a vendor manager that would figure out what to stock in the fulfillment centers, like, you know, how many bottles of detergent you need in what fulfillment centers at what price, where in what season, um, and then how and then when they need to get in. And then Amazon, basically, what, what it did was it used machine learning technology to set all that stuff on autopilot. So instead of having people did it, there were algorithms that ordered and even negotiated with the vendors that were selling detergents and all the other different products that end up in the company's warehouses. And now, like typically, when a company uses algorithms to or, or robotics to automate work, it fires the people that it's automated, but Amazon did something very different. Hmm. It said, okay, look, we freed you up. Now you can go work on a different a different project. And Dilip Kumar, the man who used to uh, oversee pricing and promotions inside the retail organization, which would eventually get essentially entirely automated, said, let's figure out the most annoying thing about shopping in real life, which is checkout and use technology to solve it. And that's where the ghost store was born. Fascinating. And the book looks at themes like what is it going to take for the next stage of reinvention to be met by these different companies? What do you think is crucial for Facebook to reach that next stage of reinvention? Is it all about VR? Yeah, I, VR could be one of it. Okay, so let's talk about Facebook. It's a fascinating company. You know, people think that Facebook just solved the social networking puzzle and the sort of written that network, right? The fact that everyone we know is on it to success, but it's actually transformed a handful of times through its history. You know, it started as an online directory filled with everyone you could have met. Then it moved to a broadcast platform where you put all the information that you've ever, you know, want people to see on your newsfeed. And then, you know, basically everyone you've ever met sees it. So your, you know, your teacher from sixth grade might see it and your great aunt who does nothing but spend time on Facebook might see it and your brother might see it and your friends might see it. Um, and you, it was a way for individuals to broadcast to many and it's transforming again uh, right now as it prioritizing messages and groups into a series of smaller social networks. So I think Facebook to succeed is actually in the middle of its big reinvention now as it tries to get messaging interoperable between Instagram and WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. Um, and that's going to take some effort. So I think that it's in the middle of its its big reinvention at this moment, but I think you nailed it. Like when we look to the future, Facebook's big bet 
is on owning its own operating system, and the only way it can do that is miss mobile and miss desktop. Virtual reality, it thinks, is something that we're all going to spend time in in the future, and that's why it's pushing so hard with Oculus to try to make virtual reality and augmented reality you know, from what it is now, which is essentially a fantasy to a reality. So to take it from the virtual and turn it real. The book is always day one. Alex Kantrowitz joining us live. You quote in this book, Alex, uh, Apple's Wozniak saying, Apple's inventiveness isn't necessarily about coming up with clever things, but things that simplify our lives. Is his emphasis on design and making things as simple as possible uh, part of the key to its success moving forward? Definitely. I mean, that's what's gotten Apple to where it is up until this point. I'll tell you another story. It's one of my favorite stories from the book. There was a an ex-Apple employee who was at a, a hotel in a kitchen there, <laughs> oh, no, sorry, in a conference room, and she picks up a mug and she finds that there's this line between where the handle and the cup actually meet and it's mold lined. And she's like, well, why didn't the designer of this mug uh, take another few minutes and actually smooth that out so I wouldn't feel this in my hand? And then she pauses and she says to herself, got an Apple up until this point. If you think about the iPhone, it's simple, it's elegant, it's easy to use. There are no mold lines when you hold the device. It's really a beautiful, uh, beautiful device, beautiful piece of machinery. But I think that like with every company, Apple is also going to come to a point where it's going to need to evolve itself beyond the iPhone. It's moving a little bit into software and services now. It's tried to work on voice computing and failed. It's tried to work on automated uh, driving and failed. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes the most important thing to do in a company culture is scrap what got you to the dance in order to get to the next one. And that's my takeaway on Apple is that the culture seems still so totally uh, dedicated to making the iPhone better that sometimes they're missing the next bet that they should be taking. Whether it's fights into Apple's App Store rules, uh, antitrust and privacy issues uh, seem to be at the, the forefront of the U.S. government's scrutiny. Do you think uh, government scrutiny is going to hold back tech giants, some of whom you've studied? I mean, look, it could. I would say time is the bigger threat to the tech giants. The average company, and I know about this in the book, the average company in the 1920s would, uh, on the Fortune 500 would stay there for about 70 years. Mm -hmm. Now the average lifespan is 15 years. And again, we're, we're moving, we're living in the economy where the cost to start up is the cheapest it's ever been, the time to start up, the shortest it's ever been. And so if you have an advantage, it's really difficult to protect it for very long. You think about the U.S. government, uh, I mean, I'll just tell you, like I've been on the ground here, I've been in Silicon Valley, I spent time in D.C., and it doesn't really seem like our government has a good handle on how to regulate these companies. I think they're at the very beginning of the process, and, you know, it might take them more than that 15 years when the average company spends on the Fortune 500 for them to be able to do it. So uh, <laughs> for those hoping for regulation to hold these companies back, I wouldn't hold the breath. How is AI a factor in these tech giants' future successes? You know, a lot of people like to look at AI in terms of how AI bakes into their product. And again, I'll just go back to the cultural side. If you're able to invent faster than your competition, uh, you're going to stay on top for uh, much longer than you should be. I mean, look at these companies in the age they are and the size they are. They should be getting bureaucratic and slow and uninventive and seem a little bit like a Microsoft in the Balmer years or, a, you know, General Electric um, or even, you know, smaller companies like a Xerox and Kodak, which just couldn't move their battleships because they weren't nimble enough. But AI, what it's doing is 
It's automating all that support work, all that execution work inside these companies. So again, the Amazon vendor managers who don't have to spend their time ordering products so they can instead go and invent Amazon Go, uh, or you know, it, it, it sort of goes along the line, and I talk about this a little bit in Always Day One, every single one of these companies has been, has been able to reinvent because they've used this technology to make their workplaces uh, more focused on ideas, less focused on supporting uh, products, even Microsoft, right, where they have to transform itself from this desktop operating system company with Windows to what it is today, it used this technology. I think the key is AI is going to help the cultures more than it's going to help the actual product that the end users see. And as long as they keep their eye on the ball in that regard, they're going to be very difficult to beat. So we know that TikTok is refusing to sell its AI, its algorithm in this forced sale over in the U.S. Help us understand how you see continued U.S.-China tensions or the projected decoupling of supply chains. How could this impact the tech giants' futures in, in the U.S.? Well, it sets a precedent, right? Because once governments see that a government is, the U.S. government is willing to uh, either, you know, force a a ban or some sort of partnership like it is with TikTok, and they might end up, you know, saying, okay, well, why don't we do that? Like, let's say a government says, we don't really like what Facebook is doing to our country's Mm -hmm. dialogue. Why don't we just ban it? So maybe that will happen. But I think that, look, if you think about, we're we're still going through the approval process now, right? Mm -hmm. TikTok Mm -hmm. and Oracle have prevent, has presented a deal the Trump administration where Oracle would be a trusted tech partner, which again, not an owner. I feel like trusted tech partner is almost saying like, you know, you're the official vehicle of some sports league. It sounds really nice, mm-hmm. but what does it amount to, mm-hmm. you know, in reality? And so actually, I think we've averted a worst case scenario in terms of U.S.-China tech relations here, as long as things don't, you know, go overboard within the next week, which they may very well do. But if we end up with this agreement that, that TikTok and Oracle have come to, it seems not too bad because TikTok is going to continue to operate in the U.S., so we won't really have you know that that fear decoupling happen at least right now. And in terms of where this goes from here, a lot will depend on what happens in the U.S. in November because you know the Trump administration and the Biden administration, whichever one ends up. Uh, being the one that leads this country into the future will probably have some pretty different perspectives on how to handle this stuff. We're going to leave it there because we're out of time. It's a terrific book. We're reading Always Day One, How the Tech Titans Plan to Stay on Top Forever, written by Alex Kantrowitz, who you just heard live. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Michelle. It was a real pleasure. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.